it doesn't matter how good you are as an accountant, a bookkeeper, a tax preparer. It does not matter how good you are unless you're getting paid for it because you're only going to go so long as a great, skilled, competent individual for free. And so we've got to recognize that until you're getting paid for the skill that you've acquired over these years, it's really hard to justify doing it. You are listening to Australia's podcast for accountants, Tax Talks, the podcast to grow your firm. Welcome to episode 377 of Text Talks. This is Heidi Robson, and thank you to DocuSign for sponsoring this episode. Nothing happens until there is a sale. This is the first concept, the first of nine in the book In the Black, written by Alan Bostra. In this book, you find nine principles to make your practice more profitable. The nine principles are divided into three sections, marketing, production, and accounting. And there are three principles in each of these, one short-term, one medium-term, and one long-term. We will go through these nine concepts. Today, let's just look at the first short-term marketing action step, and that is nothing happens until there is a sale. There's also a second book called From Red to Black in 30 Days, which is very much hands-on how to deal with the crisis, especially a cash flow crisis. We briefly touch on this, but our focus is on the nine concepts outlined in the book In the Black. So today, let's look at nothing happens until there is a sale. That is the first principle of marketing, the short-term concept. Here is Roger Connect of the Universal Accounting Center in Utah, USA, and the author of the book In the Black, Alan Bostrom. He's the son of Alf Bostrom who founded this Universal Accounting Center in Utah. Just so that you know how this all comes together. More people appreciate and find interesting the concepts that are found in In the Black, the nine principles to make your business profitable. I think a lot of people appreciate that discussion. It's where we're clearly addressing what we call the universal business model, where we talk about what we refer to as mapping the business, the short-term, mid-term, long-term goals. So there's a lot of things that listeners, I'm sure, would find very helpful and relevant. Red to Black, in my opinion, is more of a practical how-to guide, and it's perhaps a little bit more difficult to explain verbally. I think there's a little bit more to be said about the case studies in the book, a little bit more to be said about the actual reading, because you can really follow in a linear way the progression of the experience. But Red to Black being a how-to guide, it obviously proceeds in the black. You have to be profitable in order to stay or sustain profitability. So in a sequence of events, I always at least from the accountant point of view, always want to focus on going from red to black. But when I'm working with business owners, when I'm working with people that are wanting to see what's the end result, where are we going with this? Definitely in the black is the more interesting topic. It's the one that people get excited about because that's what they're really moving towards, if you will. Why accounting? You know, marketing and production feels very intuitive because, you know, we are very familiar with this concept of a funnel where at the start you need to have marketing sales to move clients into the funnel. And then in the middle of the funnel, you have the production where you actually do the work and then 
you know, something is happening after the work. How does accounting fit into this very common concept of a funnel? Great question and easily answered. It's simply because of the premise of the book, In the Black. In order to be a profitable organization, at the end of the day, you need to be watching your money. And one of the things that I think is too often overlooked by businesses as they focus on the marketing and sales, and then later on the production, the delivery of the product or service they're providing, is they get so caught up in those two facets that they overlook and, and neglect the elements that are associated with accounting. So first of all, one of the things that's very prominent in the accounting section is the principle of cash flow. Cash flow, cash flow, cash flow is what it's referred to as. And it's simply because that is perhaps the biggest failing in business where you can have a company that's thriving, selling, doing phenomenally well, but because of cash flow, they're not able to cover the costs associated with the cost of goods to deliver that product or service that's sold. They're not able to make payroll. So at the end of the day, they're selling, but they're not bringing in enough money because maybe so much of it's caught up in receivables. And all of a sudden, the business is not fundable. And what we're realizing is marketing's working, sales are working, production, we're busy, everybody's happy. But at the end of the day, from a cash flow perspective, we're struggling and we aren't paying attention to the business principles. We're not paying, uh, paying attention to our policies and procedures as to how much money should the customer be paying up front to help us fund the cost of goods, let's say, or the payroll associated with delivering that product. Granted, we'll be paid at the end, but we're not a bank. What we need to be doing is generating cash. So that's an excellent illustration of why just focusing on marketing and production is insufficient if you want to run a profitable business. You have the funnel where you have marketing and then production, but that's like the machine. But then outside the machine, you need to have the guy with the clipboard basically seeing, okay, how much are we spending on marketing? How much is actually coming through that further into the funnel? How is production going? You basically need somebody outside this machine with a clipboard watching what's happening. You bet. And I'll even further illustrate that. One of the elements in accounting is knowing your business. And this is meant to identify key performance indicators that every business should be watching but aren't accounting numbers. These aren't financial numbers that you're going to see in a profit and loss statement or a balance sheet. The key performance indicators are made up of what I will refer to as leading and lagging indicators. And that person that you described with the clipboard, they're walking around and they're looking at, did we get any phone calls today? Did we get any leads today? Did people show up to work today? How many hours were worked? How many hours were, you know, was the assembly line working today? And the reason why the widgets matter is because if we don't have phone calls today, are we going to be surprised in a week when we don't have sales? Well, we shouldn't be because last week nobody called in. So why am I surprised nobody bought today? And these are all things that the business should be watching because those key performance indicators are really a reflection of what's happening in the business long before we actually put the numbers to paper and see whether or not we made any money. So accounting, that person that's over in the corner, as you described them with the clipboard, they're essential to the success because I'll just give you one other example. In marketing, I could be selling, but my price point hasn't been adjusted for the recent inflations that have happened. You could have a salesperson that's ecstatic about the sales that they're making. Wow, I'm, I'm selling, I'm making my commissions, I'm, I'm keeping everyone busy. But what hasn't been determined is that the cost of goods have gone up and they've, they've 
basically absorbed all the margins that existed. And for that reason, the cells are so good that you're paying some bonuses to the salesperson that's doing so well, further eating up any margin that you might've had. And at the end of the day, the salesperson's ecstatic because they're selling the customers happy because they're gonna get the product. But guess what? Every one of those things you're producing, you're losing money on, and it's gonna be weeks, if not months, before somebody takes pen to paper and says, guess what? All those sales you were making, you're in the hole. All those sales that you're making, you've driven yourself to where you don't have any line of credit now that you can leverage to actually stay in business. You're out of business. But why? I've been selling. I've been busy. But you don't have any money. So I think what's happening here is we're trying to illustrate that as essential and as obvious marketing sales production are, accounting is essential for the profitability of the business. You can't neglect this as a business owner. Marketing principle number one, short term. Nothing happens until you make a sale. Nothing happens until you make a sale. And I actually really like that comment because, and I think it's especially relevant for accountants because we kind of get caught up in the nitty gritty technical questions, etc. And we lose a little bit of sight. Well, I shouldn't talk about other accountants. I just should talk about myself. As an introverted nerd, I think it's easy to get caught up in technical things and writing and researching, etc. And really forgetting that nothing happens until you make a sale. I really like that comment. It sounds very materialistic, but I think it's, for some people, it's a really good message to hear. Yeah. And I appreciate you bringing this up because there's three things that I'm going to suggest go against the accountant. And uh, this is, I think, very important for the accountant to hear. The first is it doesn't matter how good you are as an accountant, a bookkeeper, a tax preparer. It does not matter how good you are unless you're getting paid for it because you're only going to go so long as a great, skilled, competent individual for free. And so we've got to recognize that until you're getting paid for the skills that you've acquired over these years, it's really hard to justify doing it. The second thing is I would dare say that as an accounting professional, it's not your go-to thing that you're excited to go do. And so too often it's neglected, pushed to the side and I'll get around to it. And so we're easily able to kind of push it off when in reality, it's got to be the priority. It has to be the first thing. And so often what we want to do is just do other things that are more comfortable, familiar, preferable. We've got to do the sales. And so that brings me to the third thing, which as sales, I fear that too often the accounting professional just never has been fully trained. It's not like we went to school, had classes, experienced any formal education on how to market, how to sell. And so we're kind of aimless. We're just wondering, where do I begin? What do I do? What is this? What are the techniques, the strategies that work? And so you're just kind of starting to work and you're hoping that it's working. You're hoping that it's going to materialize into something. And I think a lot of people get frustrated because they believe that a lot of their efforts are for naught. And so for those three reasons alone, I think it's one of those things that gets deferred. And so we want to put the spotlight right on it and clearly identify, look, nothing happens until you make a sale. Unless you have a client that's paying you to do the work, who cares? What's your view about content marketing? Because in content marketing, you put a lot of your expertise out there for free. What's your thoughts on that? I've got a few. Uh, first of all, I think it is a very appropriate way to market. There's people that do blogs, newsletters, they'll actually throw out various free resources, white papers and so forth. I think they're very helpful. Let me kind of give you some context as to why though. 
First and foremost, I don't believe that you're going to be getting a lot of clients necessarily from the content you're writing. So yes, you can make an argument for SEO, the search engine optimization. You can be saying that I'm writing this newsletter, this article. Those are all fine and dandy. I don't believe, however, that they're really marketing strategies. I think they're more sales strategies. And here's why. I define sales as everything that you're doing once you've identified your potential customer. And the purpose of the content marketing is for two things, two very specific things. First, it is meant to establish you as the expert. You're the go-to person. You obviously know what you're talking about. I trust what you're saying. I want what you have to say to help me. So the first and foremost thing about the content is you're drafting in that, that in, with the sole purpose of taking the people that are already aware of you to educate them as to why you're the best person. The second thing is still in that education space, realize they don't know what they don't know. Therefore, this is educational. This is meant to say, let me bring to your attention why this is important, why this matters. And you're introducing to them accounting principles, tax saving strategies. You're helping them realize the value or worth of the services you're providing. And it's this drip process. It's called a nurture campaign. And your nurture campaign, whether it be through content, blogging, newsletter, is intended to take the people you've identified and move them towards you in a sales nurturing process with one objective. The whole purpose is to get them to sit down and meet with you to discuss your services. It doesn't sell them on your services. It helps them realize that they should speak with you. If they speak with you, then they worked. Now, I want to back up. You started by asking, are they great for marketing? Again, I'm going to push back. Yeah, you can maybe have someone search and find you online because of something you've written. I personally don't feel that it's a marketing tool. It's not meant to find people. It's meant to take those that have already found you, nurture them by educating them and helping them see you as the expert to the point. This is the aim to call you, talk to you, meet with you. Now the real thing starts where you have the opportunity to do an engagement and ask for the business. I have two questions for you. The first one is just to quickly clarify the distinction between marketing and sales. You said sales is everything you do once you have identified the customer. Do you mean a specific customer like John Smith or do you mean the type of customer? For example, I want to, you know, talk to. It's an farmers. avatar. It's an ideal client. Yeah, yeah I can answer client. that. So the way I would define this is marketing is done when you have a clear or good marketing is done when you have a clearer understanding of who your ideal client is what that avatar is, their age, the industry, the size of business. You're going after a specific person and you're creating messaging to actually resonate with that person so that when they hear it, it's like, oh, that's me. The other thing about marketing is once you're clear as to who your contact is, your ideal customer, then you're going to position yourself to be in a place where they congregate. So you're going to an association of that industry where you can actually find those, those decision makers, those business owners. That's marketing. John Smith is now an individual that is in your CRM, someone that you've met, they're in your list of contacts, and now you're trying to figure out how do I take John Smith, whom I've met, who, who has identified themselves as a business owner, and I, I service that type of a business, how do I get John Smith to now see me as an expert and see me as a solution to their business needs as they, as they relate to accounting, bookkeeping, or tax. 
that's that education process. So uh, yes, I feel that the sales process is to an individual. The marketing is to a type. Thank you. And then my second question is, is a little bit difficult to put into words. You said before, sales, the, the main purpose of your sales process is to get customers or clients to talk with you about your services. And when you are a plumber or when you are a builder, then that makes a lot of sense. But when you provide a professional service, very especially that you know includes a lot of advice then very often this discussion about what you can do is mixed with advice and very often that is actually all the customer or the client was after in the end yeah heidi i'm going to answer this and this is a very simple answer and i hope everyone that hears this clearly understands what i'm about to say This can easily be resolved. And it's simply this. When you're in a conversation with someone who is not paying you, what you want to be discussing is the what and the why, what they should be doing, why they should be doing it. That's the conversation. What they pay you for is the how. So you don't want to reveal the how. The how is what you're holding close to your vest because that's what you're going to wait until they pay you to reveal. And so in the process of having the conversation as you were describing, you're helping educate the person of what they need to be doing, why they need to be doing it, why it matters, why it's important, why they can't forget about it, overlook it. There's going to be fees associated with it and so forth. The what and the why is very important. You could even stress on there the who. It's them, the business owner. They need to be doing this. They can't delegate it. They have to make sure it's taken care of. They can't procrastinate it. So the what, the why, the they, the who, that matters. The how, that's what you're paid for. That You're the expert. If you want me to resolve the what and the why and the who and so forth, happy to. That's Let's talk about my services. Let's talk about what that would cost. Okay, now I can share with you how we're going to do that and in some instances, take care of it for you. Here's a quick word from our sponsor. When it comes to tax talks, I'm no podcaster, but I am an accountant. And every day I advise on claims and deductions. Trouble is, I hadn't been looking after my own business. Well, with the government's tech rebate ending soon, I signed up to DocuSign and I've gone 100% digital. It streamlined everything from onboarding to invoices. Now I kind of wish I'd taken my own advice sooner. Sign up for your free trial at docusign.com.au. Next time, DocuSign. Sometimes the what and the why is the big question. Sometimes the question might be, what tax obligations do I have? And that's already a big part of the um, what this client wants to know. Yeah, but when you're looking at the how, consider the how as to what forms to file, what percentages to do, what the timeline, the deadlines are. Th those are the things that you can be a little bit more vague about. You can tell them they owe sales taxes. You can tell them that they owe this is and that's. But what form to fill out? When is it due? How much do they owe? Those are all those hows that we're going to kind of hold to the vest because they're specifics. The what is a little bit more generic. You owe taxes. When do I owe it? How much do I have to pay? Where do I file it? What form do I use? Oh, I no, I help you with that. I take care of that for you. Oh, you do? That's the difference. Okay, good. So I must not take the what and the why literally as that every question that starts with the what is in the general conversation and only what answers to the question of how is 
But let me say it differently. What tax return do you need to file doesn't fall under the what question. It falls under the how question. Because the client usually doesn't have a how question as such. It, you know, the client doesn't ask us, how do I file the tax return or something? <laughs> yeah, no, no. Let, let's use your tax example and just, just kind of maybe role play it. You come to me saying, what taxes do I owe? Well, you actually owe quite a few taxes. Which ones? Well, it depends. There are certain things that you may qualify for federally. You may be having to deal with things locally. Okay, how about payroll taxes, sales taxes? Yeah, those things are all, all applicable. Well, how do I take care of those? Oh, that's what I help you with. What forms do I file? Well, it depends on every business. And for each tax, there's a specific thing that, that you have to do and a deadline that has to be met. And you have to follow certain calculations to determine your liability. Well, what are those? Well, Every business is a little different. That's what I do for my living. That's what I do for my clients. I take So I might know the answer. I actually have it in the back of my head. I probably could right then and there tell them, oh, it's 12%. Oh, it's this form. But that's not what I want to say. I want to be now at this point a little bit more, I don't want to say obtuse. I'm not trying to be difficult, but that is what you're paying me for. I think it's also a question of ego to be able to hold back. Yes. And you learn this over time. But you've got to learn what is enough for the business owner to realize that you have the answers and you obviously know what you're doing versus you tell them what to go do and they're going to leave the conversation, go take care of it themselves. There's a happy medium. And sometimes it's just knowing the customer. Some customers, you could tell them exactly what form to do and what percent it is and when it is due. And they're so busy, they know, you know what, I'm never going to get this done. You know what? This isn't anything I want to spend my time doing. Even though you told me exactly how to do it, I don't want to do it. I think a good example of that is just think of in your life, I'm sure there's certain things that you pay someone else to do. I'm sure I can figure out how to change the oil on my car. And I know it's very simple. I've seen other people do it. I don't want to get my hands dirty. I don't want to have to deal with it. I don't want to have to strip the bolt. So guess what? I'm going to pay the money. Honestly, I can make more money in the hour that it takes for me to drop off my car and have my car oil serviced than it would take for me to go to the office and get some work done. I would make more money at the office that would cover the cost of the oil oil change. Now, some people just enjoy getting their hands dirty and working with things. They like the engagement. Well, if I know a business owner I'm working with is someone that does not want to do this, I can be as transparent with them and tell them every form, every amount, knowing it with full confidence, they're not going to go do it. One of the things I'd like to emphasize with this concept of marketing, production, and accounting as it's brought up in the book is when I work with an accounting firm, one of the things that I really want to start with is a very simple set of questions to figure out which is the priority you should have. In other words, what's the challenge or opportunity that you should be addressing right now in your business? Because everybody wants to say all three and I want to do all things. Okay, well, that's a little bit much. Let's let's be a little bit more deliberate. So what I do is when I'm talking to an owner of an accounting bookkeeping tax business is I say, look, I'm going to ask you three questions and you tell me which is the challenge or opportunity you want to address right now in the next month or the next quarter. I start by asking, is it important for you to grow your business right now? Are you in a growth mindset that you would like to take on more clients? Or number two, you've got plenty of clients. You don't need any more clients, but you do feel that you need to be raising your prices, offering additional services. You need to do something to increase the revenue per client because you don't feel as if you're fully maximizing the relationship and the earning potential you have with each of the clients you're currently serving. You could do more for them and make more money. Or 
you've got plenty of clients and you love what you do and you don't feel there's anything more and you feel you're paid well for what you're doing. But number three, you feel like you need to work a little bit more efficiently. You're working too many nights, too many weekends. You're missing too many activities. You'd like to be a little bit more efficient and profitable. If you could just work a little bit more efficiently, you could still charge the same amount of money, but now you work less. Therefore, you're making more money per hour. And that's great. You're, you're making the same amount of money, if not a little bit more, but working a lot less. So which of those situations is it that you find yourself in right now? With the book in the black, these three areas of the business, marketing, production, accounting, are specifically designed to help you address which of those three is a priority in your business. And so once you can answer which of those three is important to you today, then we can go deeper into the short-term, mid-term, long-term for each of these areas. Does it ever happen that somebody says all three? I would like to attract more clients. I would like to generate more income from each client and I would like to work more efficiently because these three don't exclude each other. You can aim to have more clients, but also work more efficiently and also generate more income per client. I don't see these three as necessarily exclusive. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, it's very common that somebody will say all three, if not two of the three. So that <laughs> there's nothing new with that response. But I will tell you that in human nature, we are only good at really focusing on one thing. Everybody wants to maybe suggest they can multitask uh, in your business. Maybe, yes, you can do a variety of things, but let's just focus on, okay, how are you going to grow the business? Uh, don't worry about price. Don't worry about how you're going to onboard them. Don't worry about how you're going to do the work. I want to know how are you going to find a new client? How are you going to take the next five conversations you're going to, going to have about your services and at least get one, two, or three of them to be cl become clients of yours? How can we refine that skill? Now, that's not to say the others don't matter, the other questions. It's just to say, let's talk about this and make it a priority so that you can deliberately do it better. The other people, they want to talk about pricing. Great. There's a great pricing conversation we could be having about how you choose to price your services, how it is that you choose to ask for the monies that you're asking for. I mean, there, there's a whole discussion about that, but there's a strategy behind it and it takes time to develop that and hone it. Well, that's a whole conversation separate then from let's say marketing. So if I'm talking to you and Heidi, you're in a position where you say all three, I would say, great, but what's the biggest thing? And I'd start there. We'll eventually get to the others. We're not going to ignore those, but we are going to start somewhere. But shouldn't it be that you should always start with processes? Because if the processes don't work well, there is no point in putting a lot more gadgets through the machine if the machine is you know, not well oiled. Isn't it more important to first have good processes and then you can put more water through the pipe? I'm going to answer this two ways, and it may sound like I'm conflicting myself, but honestly, I'm not. First of all, I get that you want to talk about processes. Before you can sell something, you need to admittedly know what you're selling, okay? You need to conceptually understand what it is you're going to do in a service-based business for the client that you're selling your services to. So before you can go out the door and offer You've got to know what it is you're selling and you got to know what you're going to price what you're selling it for. So I agree with you. Yes. But that I would not say is processes. Honestly, I don't care what the process is. I do want to care what you're selling. I know I want to care what the pricing is, but the process, how are you going to onboard the client? How are you going to do the work for the client in three months? Irrelevant. I go right back to the beginning of our conversation. Nothing happens until you make a sale. When you make a sale, Okay, now go buy QuickBooks. When you make a sale, 
Now go buy your computer. When you make a sale, now go get business cards. I mean, it, it's just, it's amazing to me when someone, just like you were suggesting, fixates on the process. I can come back and talk to the client two weeks from now, and they're going to be saying, oh, I'm still in the process of refining my onboarding steps. And I've been figuring out what things I'm going to do when I first onboard my very first client. And I'm like, guess what? Your first client probably won't match what you've taken two weeks to create because they're a different type of business than what you were considering, but they're happily going to pay you for your services. So first and foremost, let's go find the client and then we can figure it out from there. And time and time again, I'm just going to go back to nothing happens till you make a sale. But if you don't mind, let me just back up on one thing. I did state you do need to know what you're offering. So there is an exercise that I do with people that I think would address your concern. Before you start your business, you got to come up with a business name. You need a business license. You need to actually come up with uh, a few integral parts of offering accounting services. I get that. But one of the key elements to this is, first of all, listing out the features of the services that you provide. Do you do bookkeeping? Do you do tax? Do you do tax planning? Do you do tax preparation? Do you do accounting? Do you do CFO and advisory? You've got to list out what your services are. And with each of the services you're choosing to provide, you need to be very specific as to what those features are. I do this for you when you pay for this package. But then I want to take it a step further and I want for every feature, I do payroll. I want to benefit. Why does the client paying you to do their payroll matter? How do they benefit? And you need to be able to explain not just the feature, I do payroll, but you need to be able to explain what they get out of having you do it and paying you to do it. If you can go down each of those things and say, I do payroll, I do tax preparation, I do sales tax, I do bank reconciliation, all those things. You can list out all the features, but with those associated very specific benefit, you want to bundle those accordingly to bookkeeping, accounting, tax preparation, tax planning, CFO, advisory type packages. And then once you've got that bundle, you need to start putting prices to it. Well, how much am I going to charge for this? Am I going to do this based on a flat rate hourly? Am I going to do this based on revenue of a client? Am I going to do it based on value pricing? You got to figure that out. So I've got now the bundle of services that I'm offering, the benefit that the client receives from me performing that task, and the fee I'm going to charge or how I'm going to calculate it. Well, once I've got that, I can go to the street and I can start marketing my services. I can go into some place and say at a networking group, at a conference, I offer these services to these businesses. Well, somebody somewhere is going to say, well, hey, I need that. Well, notice I'm doing a few of the processes that you described. I'm getting the sale, but I didn't worry about how I'm going to onboard them. I didn't worry about how I was going to do the work in my room. Do I need a soft chair? Do I need a desk? Figure all that stuff out later. I think you get too caught up in those things. Welcome back. Nothing happens until there's a sale. Everything you do for free, content marketing, free meetings, free phone calls, free newsletters, free emails, nothing really has happened until you make a sale, until the client signs the engagement letter and the direct debit arrangement. All of this free stuff is really for nothing if it doesn't convert. So the sale is the first thing, but selling for the sake of selling is not enough. You need to choose the right clients who allow you to make a fair profit and have a good look at what you offer and to whom. What services do you offer to what clients? That is what we will talk about next. The remaining two action steps for marketing in the book In the Black. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to DocuSign for the support. 
Bye for now and see you in the next episode.